This stanza is called Avidya. And Avidya is a Sanskrit word which translates to basic ignorance. Avidya is the ontological space of ordinary mind. It does not imply an absence of knowledge or a lack of intelligence. It is more like the background, ever-present, all-encompassing lived experience of reality. Its character is heaviness and dullness, a comforting shade which always blocks the radiant sun. To encounter and perceive the texture of avidya is an extraordinary breakthrough. Encountering the texture of avidya is akin to visiting the wilderness and then returning to the city. The cleanliness, openness and freshness of the wild rapidly dissipates upon re-entry into the aura of the city. The freshness cannot be maintained. The deep, heavy dullness of the city always overpowers it. So one can notice a precise moment where the perception of clean, fresh wilderness transforms into city heaviness. It's visceral and possibly very comforting. Becoming aware of basic ignorance is very similar. But for the yogi, the awareness of avidya is far from comforting. It is a painful awareness, for one sees how deeply entrenched the enemy is and how impossible it seems to destroy it. The yogi must recognize that however often he visits the wilderness, the house of his being is in the city. But if avidya is genuinely encountered and then perceived, victory against it is assured, no matter how long it may take. In fact, it is no longer an enemy, no longer a problem. Because if you see it, you can become friends with it. And then it becomes not so much an object to be destroyed as a garden to be cultivated. For those who dwell in the city and never leave, those who do not even recognize that their being is governed by avidya, well, such lives are a silent and unstated catastrophe. This is a commentary to the stanza called Avidya. So this stanza is framed around the phenomenological experience of Avidya, or basic ignorance. And in fact the central point of the stanza is simply to acknowledge and recognize the lived reality of Avidya, to feel its texture, to understand its presence, to apprehend its basic contours. 
And this means that avidya cannot simply be a philosophical concept. It's not simply an idea which is found in various different metaphysical and cosmological guises in the Vedic and Buddhistic traditions. It's not a concept. It is our underlying lived reality. So to recognize this is to recognize the very thing in the way of genuine freedom or awakening. Yet it seems far more common for spiritual practitioners, contemplatives, yogis or yoginis, to try and find the Atman or the Buddha nature or the soul or the awakened components of our subjectivity, however you want to cash it out. And I liken this in the stanza to visiting the wilderness and tasting the freshness of the air and the liveliness of nature. And no doubt it is important to find that wilderness. But in tasting the freshness of our awakened mind or being, we must acknowledge that which is not fresh, the part of our being which is heavy and dull, dark, obscured and confused. And most of us must acknowledge that we are in fact governed principally by this stale, dull avidya. And this is the meaning of the metaphor of returning to the city and recognising that that is where our home is. That is the house of our being. That is our lived, everyday reality. So the impulse around this recognition is not simply about an honesty about where we're really at, or maybe a deconstruction of our more idealistic or naive tendencies, which I suppose are two important byproducts of this stanza. The impulse is connected more to actually tasting a vidya, coming to attune to it, gaining an immutable sense of its texture, its function, its place and its qualities. And I think it is truly disconcerting to discover your own personal reality of avidya, that blanket or cocoon of ignorance that goes with you everywhere you go. In the same way as it may be disconcerting to return to a busy, polluted, alienating city after a visit somewhere beautiful and radiant in nature. Although, as I pointed out, there's also maybe a kind of comfort in that. A comfort in the familiar. But there is indeed a bright point to this recognition. That once you learn to taste avidya, once you experience avidya as the basic texture of your ordinary mind, in other words, you make it personal, then it's no longer such a threat to your freedom or awakening. So the metaphor in the stanza is that it becomes rather like a garden to be cultivated. There may be weeds, the soil may need compost, there may be pests and problems of all kinds. But with diligence and work, the overgrown maze of avidya may become the very ground of your awakening. So the person who truly tastes their own avidya, 
no longer sees it as an object to be destroyed. They see it as the very ground of the possibility for their freedom or awakening. But those who do not see it, who can't recognize it and who don't even know that it governs them, well, there is no hope at all for such beings. Thank <laughs> you.